Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. It's good to have my oldest son with us today and his family. I want the whole family to stand up. Steve, Christy, Ethan, Jared, Savannah. Now stay standing. Stay standing a minute. This is because some of you are newer and don't know our history as much. Uh, this is my oldest son, Steve. And turn around so everybody can see, all you guys. Everybody see it. Now he's four years older than Pastor Greg, and, and he probably never lets him forget that. And this is Christy, uh, my daughter in law of how many years? 40 years now? Not quite, but. 37? 32? Did you say 37? Not until 37. <laughs> this is their youngest son, Jared. And, and then to his right is, is Ethan and his uh, brand new bride of just a few months, Savannah. Glory to God. Huh? Yes, 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 yes. So we're glad to have them. You can be seated. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The reason it's uh, so uh, special for, for Angela and me, uh, for Angela and I, I should say, to, for uh, no, me was right. Me was right. Anyway, uh, to have them is because when we started out on this journey in 1979, uh, the Lord dealt with, with uh, me first in uh, January or March or something around then, around then to go to Ramah. And uh, Angela got on board, you know, in a few weeks, she came around. Uh, but when we made the decision to go, uh, we, you know, had a good job, good paying job. And, the, you know, we weren't like at the top of the pay scale in our company, but we were middle, you know, and we, we had a good, good life. And they had pretty much everything they, they wanted. They had everything they, they needed, pretty much what they wanted. And uh, Christmas gifts and that sort of thing. But I remember telling them, and I don't remember if this is when we left Jacksonville or when we got to Gilcrest County, when we moved over here in 1980. But uh, I remember telling them, you know, this, we're, we're starting out on a new, new venture. And, you know, you might not have everything that you used to have right away. There might be some times when, when uh, we might not have as much money. But God's going to take care of us. And we're going to go to the top. And I remember telling these, these two boys, I said, if you'll stay faithful to the call of God, God will make everything up and more. He will bless you, he will prosper you, and you'll have uh, an abundant uh, life of provision. And God has done that. And, uh, and as I was telling them this morning, I had them in my office, and I was saying the thing that, that meant so much to me back then was when we made this decision to go into the ministry, it really was, I mean, it was mine and, and, and Pastor Angela's decision, but these two kids, even though they were, Greg was nine, yeah, nine and four when we left Jacksonville. Yeah, eight and four left Jacksonville and nine and five. But uh, we started this venture. Both of these, these young boys, they didn't understand everything, but they, they accepted the ministry, the call to the ministry as a family call. All four of us accepted this call. And, and in their, in their to, to the degree of their understanding at their age, they were just as much in the ministry as we were. 
And so they had this church in their heart from the very beginning. Of course, they both grew up, you know, in the church. And uh, when Steve went off to college, he uh, found somebody he'd rather stay with more than us. <laughs> they got married and uh, uh, they got married a year before Steve graduated from college. Two years before. Okay. And uh, anyway, I think Christy was out of college. And uh, so they got married. They, as soon as they, Steve got to Tampa, he uh, uh, got back into fellowship with a youth group that he had been with as a teenager when our youth would go on trips. They'd, that church from Tampa, their youth would come up and pick up our youth. And so when um, we dropped him off at, at the university there and set him up in, on the campus in the dorm, uh, I think the next night he was with that youth group. And, uh, and that's where, you know, he, I think he already knew Christy before then, but anyway, they, you know, developed a relationship and eventually got married and, and, uh, but you know, they've been a part of this church, even though he's been away all of these years, this is still home. And so it's just very special, uh, for Angela and, uh, and, uh, for me to, to have them with us. I wanted to talk a little bit today about, uh, how God brought us to this point. Uh, and I don't want to take too much time, but you know me. Uh, uh, because it's, it's significant to understand what God has done and what he is doing. And so, uh, and I'm not going to go into a lot of the detail that I've gone into at other times because most of our regulars at different times hear, hear me talk about this. But uh, we, were, we were supernaturally led to go to Rhema when we did. And the reason I say that, it, it just seemed like a normal leading. It didn't seem, all, all leadings of God are, are supernatural, but it didn't seem like anything special as far as the timing. I just, uh, I had left, I was in Taiwan uh, working. Uh, I'd gone there to work for a month, the end of, of uh, 1978. And I came home, I think the 30th day of, of December. And as soon as I got home, I suddenly knew this was the year that we would go to Ramah, meaning in that fall. And uh, so we made plans to do that. And the reason that is so significant is because the next year in 1980, while we were at Ramah, now I only went to, to, to Bible school one year, and uh, most people in the spring of the year, I'm talking about the spring of 1980, most of the students were making plans for the next year. And people who were graduating out that had stayed longer, you know, they'd finished up, you know, their course, they were making plans and putting out feelers of where, you know, they would be involved in ministry, what kind of opportunities. And uh, all of my friends were staying, you know, to go to the, to the next year. And the Lord spoke to my heart and said, you need to go back to Jacksonville. And uh, that was fairly remarkable because uh, I didn't have any prospects and nobody wanted me in Jacksonville other than my family. I mean, we didn't have any churches. We didn't have anybody offering us a position. I didn't have any meetings. I just felt impressed to go back. And that was sometime, I don't remember. I wish I could remember exactly when that was in the spring, but it was sometime in uh, mid-spring, I guess. Well, that's important because in March of that year, which was in the spring, of course, uh, Kenneth Hagen, put that first slide up. Kenneth Hagen had a regional faith uh, crusade in Jacksonville, Florida, March 9th through the 12th at the, at the old Coliseum. 
had four speakers, uh, Dad Hagen, Ken Hagen Jr. He wasn't known as Pastor Hagen then because Rama hadn't started a church, so he wasn't a pastor. John Osteen and Norval Hayes were the, were the four speakers. Well, I didn't know this, but a group of, a small group of people from Tuscanoogie United Methodist Church out, you know, in the Tuscanoogie area. Uh, I don't know how they heard about this meeting. I don't remember that story, but they went to Jacksonville to attend these meetings. And I don't think they really, you can, you can take that slide down. I don't think they really knew much about Dad Hagen's ministry. I never got the sense that they had much of a background, but somehow they showed up. While they were there that March, they heard Dad Hagen talking about Rama Bible Training Center. It's now Rama Bible College, but back then it was just Rama Bible Training Center. And he was talking about how, you know, every year we have graduates that are going out into the ministry and, you know, so forth. So one of the ladies, her name was Elaine Hickson, lived out, out from Fort White. She was in that group that went over there. And I think the next week or the following week, she called uh, Rama and asked if they had anybody that they could send to them because this little group from Tuscanoogie United Methodist Church had a Bible study. And they had recently gotten filled with the Holy Spirit and they wanted more. So they contact, she contacted Raymond and asked if they had anybody they could send. And so Raymond put them in touch with my pastor back in Jacksonville and he was a Raymond grad. His name was Pastor Ron House. And so uh, in March, Elaine Hickson called Pastor House and you know, asked the same thing, that they had a Bible study. Did he have anybody, did he know anybody that, that he could send to help them? He said, well, and he was doing two or three, besides his regular three weeks, three services a week, he had two Bible studies, different nights in different towns in Georgia already going on. He said, I can't, I, I'm stretched as thin as I can be stretched. He said, so I, don't, I can't help you. He said, but if you'll call back, the end of May, 1st of June, he said, there are several of people from my church that will be graduating from Rama, and just call me back then. One of them might be able to help you. And so, uh, you know, it was important because if we hadn't been at Rama at that time, we would not have been in position for that call. So even in what seems to be insignificant leadings in life, sometimes they can have tremendous significance and tremendous uh, long-term effects in your life. That's why it's so important to be led by the Spirit in everything you do. Of course, this was a ministry decision. It wasn't just like, you know, deciding, you know, where to go on vacation or something. It was an important decision. But at the same time, it didn't seem like, you know, an overwhelming leading. But we knew in our heart we were supposed to do it. So uh, uh, we graduated, or I graduated. Pastor Angela didn't go to school that year. She worked in... uh, and uh, she was in the Ministry of Helps. And, uh, so uh, we graduated on the 23rd of, of May. On the 22nd of May, which was our wedding anniversary, our 10th, 10th, yes, 10th wedding anniversary, we were having communion with the student body that night. And then the next night, we graduated at, at the auditorium downtown uh, Tulsa. And so the following week, we packed up and headed home. So we got home the first week, somewhere about the first week of of June. And, uh, you know, we didn't have a lot of stuff. We didn't take much out there, and then we had even less coming home because we got rid of some furniture before we left town, uh, left Tulsa. So it didn't take us long to unpack. It didn't take us long to unpack anyway. 
But uh, we had everything put away in a few days. And, and I went over to see, I told, uh, I told Angela, I said, I'm going to go over and see Pastor House. Now, again, we're in Jacksonville. We had a house that we had left there that we had rented out while we were gone. So we were back in our own home. But we didn't have a job, didn't have any prospects, didn't really know what we were going to do. And uh, so I said, I'm going to go see Pastor Ron. So I drove, I, we lived on the south side. Pastor Ron lived on, the, his, the church was on the north side. So I drove over and, uh, of course, I was real close with Pastor Ron. So I walked in the, the, uh, the main office and they told me, showed me to Pastor Ron's office. I just walked right in. When I walked in, Pastor Ron was on the telephone. And, he, and I heard him say this. He said, he said, actually, he said, one of the, uh, of the people that I was talking about just walked in the door. Here, let me have you talk to him. And he handed me, handed me the phone. And I didn't know who was on the phone. And it was Elaine Hickson. And she had called back. And I just happened to drive across town and be there when she was on the phone. And uh, which, again, obviously, God's hand was in that. So uh, she told me that they had a Bible study and, and uh, they needed somebody. If, if I was interested, could, could I come and teach them? And I said, sure. Didn't have any other calls, so, you know, that was a certainty. So uh, we went over there. And so my first meeting with this church, now I didn't know it was going to be a church, but in that very first little group of people, uh, put up slide number two. Now this was a few months after the church was formed. And... That's Greg on, the, on, your, on your left with the blue shirt looking somewhere else. <laughs> that's, that's Pastor Greg. And I know this is a little blurry. I guess you, do you recognize me? Not very many people said yes. Left side, uh, almost in the back, dark haired guy. That was me. And, and see that beautiful woman next to me? That's my wife, Pastor Angela. And uh, Elaine Hickson is in the very back. Her husband is over her uh, left shoulder and in a white shirt, and that's her. And the only, yes, where is Steve? Second row, but they're standing behind Sarah. Okay, that's Steve. Uh, see the girl in the white dress in the first, first row? Steve is right behind her. Didn't we see the Cornacs in this picture yesterday, Angela, the other day? I don't see them now. I think this was actually the, the entire original group. Jody was there. Yeah, I think this is the, this is the entire uh, first group that we had as a church. And uh, it started as a Bible study. You can take that slide down. Started as a Bible study. So my first meeting was in uh, June, on June the 9th. Nope. June the 12th, June the 12th. And I drove over from Jacksonville out to, it's out from Fort White, close to, Tus actually the Hickson's property abuts the back of Tuscanoogie Methodist Church, there, that land back there. So, uh, you know, I didn't know anything about the, this area. Uh, I had gone to Itchtuckney Springs a couple of times as a, as a, as a hippie, and we would, we would drive, and it wasn't even a park there, it was just a it was just a local country swimming hole, you know. We would tube all the way down to the bridge and get out. And uh, so I never came. I didn't know anything about High Springs. I, I, we did go through Fort White. We came through McClenny to Worthington Springs and over to Fort White. So we never came to High Springs. And uh, so uh, we showed up at the Hickson's house that night, and I taught them. 
Just It was just a small group. The children, I don't think the children were in the room. And uh, I don't know if every one of those people were there that night. But they probably were. Uh, Angela didn't come with me. I, I came over with Pastor House and his worship leader, uh, Don Booth. And so we came over and Don Booth led praise and worship and we, uh, and I taught Bible lesson. And so they invited me to come back the next Thursday. And I thought, well, sure, you know, you're, let me check my calendar. <laughs> so I came back the next Thursday. I'm taking way too much time. But anyway, I'll try, to, I'll try to speed this up. We were there the next Thursday. And on that next Thursday night, the second night I met with them, they informed me that they had left the previous Sunday between the, the, that week and the week before. They had left their church. They had met with their pastor, this group, and had told their pastor that they were, they were leaving and they were going to start a church. So they wanted me to come back that following Sunday and, and preach for them because they were going to have church in their home. And I said, well, okay, I, you know, I'm just an innocent bystander, you know, I'll, I'll help you. Uh, I had no plans uh, to start a church or to be a pastor. I'm just going to help them, you know. So I came over that Sunday, and I don't know if it was that Sunday, but then we started coming every Thursday and Sunday, every Thursday and Sunday the rest of the summer. And I don't know if it was that first Sunday or maybe the next. Uh, somebody referred to me as pastor. And I said, oh, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. I'm not your pastor. You've heard this story. I said, I, I, you know, uh, I'm just helping you. And they wanted to start a church. And I said, I know how to do that. I know the legal stuff. You know, I had some training in that. I said, I can help you start a church. I can file documents with the, with the state. I can file documents with the IRS. I can set up the corporation. I know how to do that. And I'll do that. And I'll just be here until your pastor comes. And famously, they would smile and say, whatever you say, pastor. And I said, no, you're not getting it. And we'd have a big laugh about it. And it frustrated me. But uh, <laughs> they, they had a big laugh. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, I, I, uh, we moved to Gilchrist County in August. I had this problem because I didn't feel like I was a pastor. And I felt like my ministry was to be a teacher and to travel. And the, the Lord spoke with me, to me very definitely. And he said, don't be so call conscious. And I understood what he meant by that. Of course, we are to be conscious of the call of God. But what I meant, what I understood he meant by that was don't be so conscious of what you call yourself. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. He said, just be whatever they need. He said, if they need pastoring, pastor them. If they need evangelizing, evangelize them. If they need prophesying, prophesy over them. If they need whatever they need, just be that and, and serve me. And so with that, I said, okay, I'll, I'll do that. So we moved to, to Gilcross County. There wasn't, uh, we looked in High Springs and there just wasn't anything to rent. So we rented a, a, a double wide way out in, in Gilcross County, uh, out where the land is so dry and so poor that the rabbits have to carry their lunch when they travel across. <laughs> That's what we were told. Hallelujah. Now, I, 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 I tried everything I could not to accept the pastorate of this church while I was pastoring it. Uh, I, I was just there for a season. But God actually sent us to High Springs to pioneer this church. And it took me, it, because of my resistance, it took me several years to, to finally accept the fact. I, at first I thought, well, I'll be here a few weeks. Well, I might be a few here a few months. Well, I might be here a year. Then maybe two. Well, I can see maybe a little longer than two. 
Uh, it took me a few years to finally accept the fact that God had actually called me to pastor this church, even though I was pastoring it. But, uh, but in the, the fact of the matter is, we don't always know what God's doing. And as long as we're obedient in, in obey, and we obey God, we don't have to really know how everything connects. And, and God sent us here to establish, now listen really carefully, he sent us here to establish a word and spirit church. Now that expression is very, very important. The reason it's, is, it's important is because I had never heard of a word and spirit church. Word and spirit as pertaining to a type of church was not used. I, I, I grew up in, in spiritually in the word of faith. I knew the word of faith movement. And I can assure you, word and spirit was not a term. It wasn't a designation. No one used that. We were a word church. If you remember that, the older people remember, we started this church, we would, we would say, we're a word church. Because the word of faith movement was focused on the word. Everything is about the word. The word comes first, it comes second, it comes third, it comes last, and everything in between, the word is everything. And there was a strong emphasis on the word, the word, the word. Now, that doesn't mean we didn't believe in the Holy Spirit. We, because you believe in the word, you believe in the Holy Ghost. You believe being filled with the Holy Spirit. So we were spirit-filled. We had gifts of the Spirit in operation. We believed in all of that. But there was no awareness of a word and spirit. That, In other words, that, that the Holy Spirit was a, uh, a, a sort of an not equal, but almost co-equal uh, 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 type of church that we were in. And... Uh, so people didn't start using the, the phrase word and spirit until in the 19, uh, or in two, after 2003 when Dad Hagen went home to be with the Lord. It was after that that we started, the, the phrase started floating up in our circles, word and spirit. I want to, 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 to uh, illustrate this. I want to read to you from a prophecy that Kenneth Hagen delivered at Winter Bible Seminar February 2003. Now remember I said I had never heard of the phrase word and spirit until after this. But Dad Hagen, of course this is two pages and I'm going to read all of that. But uh, he, I'm going to read several paragraphs. In this prophecy, he, by the Spirit, he said we pride ourselves in being a word church and word people. That's who we were. Uh, and right and good. For it is true, saith the Lord, you are a word people. But do not forget that you're also a Holy Ghost people, spiritual. Yes, the word goes forth, but again and again, the spirit has endeavored to move in your midst and you've ignored him and you've kept quiet. Some have yielded temporarily to the spirit for the spirit seeketh to manifest himself. He'll manifest himself in revelation, revealing unto you through the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom and discerning of spirits. And he's endeavored to speak. For he does speak unto his people by the Holy Spirit, by tongues and interpretation and prophecy. And many of you have held back and would not speak out, and by so doing have quenched the Spirit and have not only quenched the Spirit, but you have grieved the Spirit. So uh, I won't read uh, all, all that he said later, but the point was he, he recognized that 
Even in 2003, there were still people who were just focused on the word and they wouldn't allow the moving of the spirit. And then at the end of this uh, prophecy, he said, the Holy Spirit has spoken unto a number of ministers here tonight. He has spoken to you and he's spoken to you in times past. He's told you exactly what to do and you have not done it yet. And you wonder why he withholds certain things. You wonder why it's tough or the way seems rough. Go ahead, listen to what the Holy Ghost is saying. Make your church not only a word church, but a Holy Ghost church. Put the word first always and then move in the Holy Spirit in line with the word. And the glory shall be made manifest. The glory shall even be seen by many. And the blessings of the Lord will flow like a mighty river. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, shortly after that, the, 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 uh, the phrase began to float up, you know, in our circles, word and spirit churches. But a lot had happened between the 1980s and when Dad Hagen had, had spoken this out. There were people in the Rhema camp that were still not willing to flow with the demonstrations of the spirit that Dad Hagen had led us in uh, in the Holy Ghost meetings. So we'll drop back to 1983. Now, we were a word church. We believed in the Holy Ghost. We were filled with the Spirit, but the focus was the word. But I had come out of a Pentecostal church. I'd been my, I was a third generation Pentecostal. And when the word of faith movement came, it was a, it was a fresh teaching flow. And, and the emphasis was not on the demonstrations of the Spirit that I had experienced growing up. In fact, it, it didn't exist at all. And so I went out to, uh, to the Holy Spirit seminar, and I've told you about that, in February 1983. And in one of those services, I was caught up in the glory of God. And for the first time in my life, I danced in the Spirit, in the power of the Holy Spirit. And it couldn't have surprised anybody more than me. Because growing up in a Pentecostal church, I was never interested in that sort of thing. We had, we had all of the demonstrations of the Spirit that we see around here. Uh, we had most of those in our church. But that dancing business, I wasn't interested in. Now, we had in our church in the 1980s, we had this charismatic dance. And it was this, I'd call it now the charismatic two-shuffle two or the charismatic shuffle two-step. It was a silly little dance, and it was completely in the flesh. It wasn't in the Holy Ghost. And, and I like that because it looked pretty good. But dancing in the spirit was undignified and, uh, and not, definitely not cool as a teenager growing up. I didn't want anybody to know that I went to a church that behaved that way. And uh, so I was ashamed of it. And so uh, the Lord, you know, he has to have an opening. And he prompted me to take one little step of faith. And when I did, the glory of God came on me and to my utter surprise, I didn't intend to, didn't think about it, wasn't planning on it, didn't even consciously yield to it. I just found myself in this glory dancing in the Holy Ghost. And uh, it was so exhilarating because then I realized, wait a minute, what those old-time Pentecostals had was real. It's, it's actually a real move of the Spirit. I thought it was just... Just a weirdness that, you know, kind of a cultural thing they had developed, you know, down from the mountains of Appalachia or something, you know. And uh, I mean, I, I, didn't, I didn't know. And so I came back and I was so excited. And uh, I told my wife and she just looked at me. You've got to be kidding. 
But I remember calling, I remember calling an old friend from Jacksonville, someone that was close to Pastor Angela and me, and uh, she was still in a Pentecostal church in the church we were raised in. And I said, you'll never believe what happened at Rhema last week. I said, Pentecost got reunited to the charismatic movement, to the word of faith. The Pentecostal flow came back into this. And uh, it, it made a real impact on, on me. And that was in 1983. Then in 1986, you know, I was still not happy pastoring. I'd accepted it. I was here, kind of stuck with the job. But I wasn't really happy. And so I, I, I took some time uh, in July of 1986 to get along with the Lord. I went out to Camp Kalakwa, rented a little unit there and, and uh, spent some time praying and fasting. A couple, three days, I think. And Jesus supernaturally called me and gave me the vision to this, of this church, which, and, I, and when I wrote my book, I said, it shouldn't have taken me that long to get this, but I was hard-headed. I was serving God and I was obedient, but I wasn't open as I should be. But Jesus, I was sitting on that little sofa in that little modular unit out at Camp Kalakwa, and I was sitting on the sofa and the door was in front of me, and I think it was only about eight feet wide and about 25 feet long, it was a little unit. And I had, you know, a couple of Bibles on either side of me. And I was reading from Acts chapter 26, verse 16, 17, 18, 19. I was, that's where I was reading. And Jesus walked in to, to, that, to that little modular unit. He just walked right into the room where I was at. Now, I didn't see him, but his presence came right in. And I heard him speak as though someone was standing right in front of me. And he said, Stand and rise on your feet, which is right out of that verse of scripture, or rise and stand on your feet, I think. And without thinking, it was so profound. I just, I had my Bible in my lap. I jumped up, it fell on the floor, and I just stood. And he said, I've appeared to you. And he quoted me this scripture. He said, I've appeared to you for this reason, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you've seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. Turn it. Turn with me in your Bible to Acts 26. I want you to see this. This is very important. In verse number 16, and Jesus said these words to me, and I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, instantly I knew this was the calling of, at that time our church was known as Faith Christian Fellowship. I knew instantly that this was the call and the vision for Faith Christian Fellowship. And I knew it was my call and my vision. And let me, let me say this. this, this is important too. I don't know how I knew this because not everybody that graduated from Rhema had this sense that I did. I found out later there, wasn't, there weren't that many people that thought like I did. Somehow when I left Rhema, I, f- I felt that I was connected to Dad Hagen. And that, that in, now I wasn't a pro, I didn't say, I didn't believe I was a prophet or had that anointing, but somehow in some measure, I felt like I was an extension of Kenneth Hagin and the calling on his life. Now I didn't know because in, when brother Hagin published his books and, uh, and, and for out throughout all of his ministry, he didn't tell the whole thing about his birth. He only told the part that how, uh, uh, Jesus appeared to his mother 
and told her that the child would, would be born because she, she was struggling physically and he was born prematurely. And he told his, his mother, the child shall be born and he shall have a part to play in the end time move of God. That's all that he published throughout all of those years. But in 1950 or 51, I think it was 1950, the Lord Jesus appeared to him and gave him the rest of the story. Now, his mother had never told him what Jesus told him. What Jesus told him in a vision in 1950 was that, yes, he, he would have a part. He, would be, he wouldn't be the only one, but he'd have a part to play in uh, the end time move of God and, and the return of the Lord. And he, he said that he told his mother that his name shall be John. And just like John the Baptist was the forerunner of the first coming of Christ, even so this, this child, John, should be John Hagen, would be in, in a sense a forerunner of his second return. But not on the same level of John the Baptist, not like he's the only one, but that he would, his ministry would be that of a forerunner. Well, Dad Hagen never told that story. He, Jesus told him that in 1950. The next week he went home and told his mother about it and she, she was spellbound as he told her what Jesus had told him that she had never told him. And while he's telling it, she said, what did he say? What did he say to call you? What was your name? And Jesus said, he said, my name was supposed to be John. Well, for some reason, she didn't call him John. She named him Kenneth. In this vision, Jesus told Brother Hagin, he said, the name is not that important. The ministry is what's important. His mother didn't call him by the right name. But the point I want to make to you, this happened to Brother Hagin by revelation in 1950. He didn't tell anybody about this, except maybe his family. I don't know if he told them. He never spoke of it publicly until 2001. Now, I, I just have the idea that if anybody in this room or probably 99 preachers in America had been given that kind of word that they were going to come in the spirit of John the Baptist and would be uh, like John the Baptist, a forerunner of the... How long do you think they'd keep that quiet? I mean, that's going to come out. Brother Hagin never told that for 51 years. Because when he did tell it, he said, it's not about me as a person that I would be the forerunner. He said, it's the ministry that would come from me that I would, that I would by, by God's grace, bring and deliver to, to the world. He said, the ministry that, and the message that he brought would be the forerunner. He said, it's not about a person. John the Baptist was a person. That call was embodied in a man. But when God called Kenneth Hagin, that calling was embodied in the ministry that God would give him. That's why he never told anybody. He never wanted anybody looking to him. So uh, uh, that explains why then, explained why to me, all those years ago, I just felt like I was an extension of his ministry. And yet he was a prophet and a teacher. I was a pastor and a teacher and not anywhere on the same level he was. So it just seemed kind of far-fetched, but I just had it in my heart. So in 1986, when I was fasting and praying and Jesus came into my room, suddenly I realized 
This is the vision. This is how I'm connected to Kenneth Hagin. Because it goes on to say that, that uh, I will make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things I will yet reveal to you. Verse 18 says, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the authority of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. We focused on that 18th verse all of these years to open men's eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, from the authority of Satan to God, that they might receive remission of sins and their inheritance. I preach for all of these years the full inheritance that belongs to us as Christians. But I want you to notice in verse 16, it would have been just as easy for the Holy Ghost to, or for Jesus to have said to the Apostle Paul, I've appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness of the things. Now, notice I left out the word both. You could read it without that word both. I appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. You could read it that way. But the Holy Spirit, through Jesus, speaking to the Apostle Paul, said both of the things which you've seen and of the things that I will yet reveal. That word both is added emphasis. It's intended for you to focus that it's not just the one thing, it's the, it's the other thing as well. And that they're not just the same thing, they're two different things. And, and so both this and that. Well, we had been faithful in teaching the word of faith. And uh, that was the things which, those were the things which we had seen. But then for a while, I just knew there was more of the things that he would yet reveal to us. Now, at the time, I thought, well, you know, it's just more revelation, more of what we know, more about healing, more about our authority, more about, you know, favor and blessing, just more, you know, about the Holy Spirit and who he is and more of what we had. And, and in essence, that's true, but it's more than that. In 1987, that was in 1986 that I, that I had that time of fasting and got the vision for the church. That was in July. Well, July the next year, 1987, Pastor Angela and I were supernaturally led to go to camp meeting that year. Now, camp meeting, Kenneth Hayden camp meetings was just not something we attended. We always attended winter Bible seminars. From 1988 to ni- for 2003, there were 16 winter Bible seminars, and we went to 15 of them. That was because that meeting was more for ministers. So we were, we were very connected to, to Kenneth Hagin's ministry, but we just didn't go to camp meeting. Camp meeting would wear you out. There's a lot of speakers and a lot of stuff going on, and, and we just weren't interested. But that year, I was, I was particularly impressed that we needed to go to camp meeting. So we went to camp meeting, July 87, and that was when uh, the Thursday night before camp meeting, Jesus appeared to Kenneth Hagin and talked to him. And he saw the camp meeting crowd. He and Jesus in the vision were standing up in the, in the civic auditorium in Tulsa looking down on the crowd and he could see the crowd and they were clapping, you know, to the Lord and doing the little charismatic dance. And that's when the Lord Jesus started talking to Brother Hagin about New Testament worship. And he said, clapping is not praise and worship. If you, if you visit here, sometimes we have people that'll come that are new and when we're praising God, they'll clap. 
But if they're, if, they're, if they're a little observant, they'll notice they're the only ones doing it. Because uh, Jesus told Brother Hagin that clapping is not praise and worship. You know, when, they, when uh, uh, we introduced somebody this morning, who did we clap for? Stephen, yeah. We, everybody clapped. Well, that's appropriate. It's appropriate to clap for people. But you don't bring God down on that level of an ordinary man and clap for them. God's word tells us what to do with our hands in worship. Lift up holy hands, not clapping. It brings God down to a, to a, a, a lower level. And, uh, and then the flesh, he talked in that, in that camp meeting. Jesus just unfolded to this, this to him, and he taught this every night at that camp meeting. There were day speakers, but the night speakers were, were Brother Hagin. And he talked about uh, the New Testament order of praise and worship. He talked about uh, how the church had brought the brass into the, into, the, into the kingdom of God, into the church, and substituted the gold uh, for brass. And then we had to get the brass out if we were going to have the gold. We had to have, he had to get out the fake move if we were going to have the real move of God. And he said, all of this silly dancing, it's all in the flesh. He said, there is a dance in the spirit, and there's worship in the spirit. Well, it resonated with me because I knew there was a dance in the spirit. But in our church, we were still doing the charismatic two-step. So when we, Ansel and I came back from camp meeting, we made, this was in the day of cassette tapes, we made every family in our church a complete set of all of those night services. Everything Dad Hagen had taught at camp meeting on plans, purposes, and pursuits were like, there was like eight or nine tapes because some of them were services were, you know, two hours. We made a set of those cassette tapes, those cassette tapes for every family in the church. You're talking about a slew of tapes. And we passed them out in the church. And I said, I want everybody in the church to listen to these tapes. And our church listened to to those tapes and we got the revelation and we ran with it. And so we stopped right then. We stopped doing the charismatic dance and said, there is a dance in the spirit and we're gonna have that or we're not gonna have anything. And so we correct, we made corrections. Well, it was kind of dry for a few weeks, if you remember. You know, and I remember Cindy Cool. You know, she was she was here, and she 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 accepted it. She and Ike were here, and and were they married? Eighty six. Yeah, yeah, they got married in eighty five, didn't they? Eighty six. This was eighty seven. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she came to me and she said, "Well, you know, we we've we've put aside this other, but where's the where's the Holy Ghost?" I said, well, you know, you just, you just you have to just live and, and, and operate by faith. We believe this is the word of God. It's the instruction of God. Well, it came. The move of the spirit came. And then in the 1990s, dad started holding Holy Ghost meetings. And the Lord had told Brother Hagen sometime in the 80s, there is a move of the spirit that will, first of all, he said, I called you to go teach my people faith. He, Jesus spoke to him way back in the early days and said, go teach my people faith. Told him how he had learned faith through the word and through experience. He said, now go teach my people what I've taught you. But then Dad Hagen said that in the 80s, the Lord spoke to him and said, uh, you've been faithful to fulfill that calling. And now there are a lot of really good faith teachers in the body of Christ. He said, but there is a move of the spirit that will be lost to this generation unless somebody teaches them. Now you must go teach my people about the Holy Spirit. And I realized that I was a part of both of those callings. 
I was a part of that calling to go teach my people faith, and I had done that. But then I realized I was also a part of that calling of Brother Hagin's to go teach my people about the move of the Spirit. And so over the years since then, we, you know, we still minister on different subjects because a pastor, you have to. But I've been uh, endeavoring to bring us up as a church to a place where the presence of God would be in our services and that, and that there would be a depth of the move of God and that the Holy Spirit would be free to work. Now, if, if, if you're not a preacher, you won't understand that. But, but if you are a preacher, you will understand it. It's a whole lot easier to preach a message than it is to have a move of the Spirit. Because when you prepare a message, you can preach it no matter what. And I've preached it no matter what. In other words, I've preached it when the crowd was with me. And I've taught the word when the crowd wasn't with me. And if nothing else happens, even if everybody gets up and walks out and there's one snaggletooth person waiting there. And I've preached to almost one before. Remember when we did those meetings around the community? I preached to like two or three people. But, you know, we didn't sense a whole move of the, of the Spirit, but I had my message, and I'm going to preach it. You remember me telling you about the years that I felt no anointing for two or three years? I, I would minister, and I just rarely ever felt the anointing. But I never, I never failed to bring the Word. It, I didn't enjoy it. And it was, it was just torture. And there was no presence of God that I could feel, but bless God, the night before I was anointed, I had gotten the word, I got a message from God that I knew was God. And you got that, you can just teach it. You don't have God to do, have to have God do anything. It's good when he does. But the move of the Holy Spirit is not the same. You can teach about the Holy Spirit, which I've done for these years since the 1990s. You can teach about the move of the Spirit, but you can't bring on a move of the Spirit. I can't tell you how many times I've taught about the move of the Spirit and nothing happened. And you say, well, why, why is that? Well, I'm not fully sure except that it takes us, it takes time for us to get in position. It takes time for people's hearts to, to, to be open, for people to get revelation. And the Holy Spirit, you notice that the Holy Spirit moves as He wills, not as we will. And so... Uh, I fulfilled that call to go and, and be a minister of the things which I had seen. And I've lived long enough and ministered long enough to have fulfilled being a, a minister and a witness of the things that he then revealed to us about the move of the Spirit. So we are a word and spirit church. And it has been, that has been my ministry to be a minister and a witness of that that I had at the beginning and that that he added to me. And, uh, you know, in some sense, in, in some sense, of course, this is, this is a little sad, but on the other hand, I fulfilled my call here as the pastor. And this is a word and spirit church. And my work as such as senior pastor is over. And we have another couple here, my precious dear son, Greg, and, and his precious wife, our daughter-in-law, which we, we love so much. They're in position now. God has raised them up to take this on. And so, you know, it's, it's, 
It's bittersweet, and you know, because you were walking away from a, a, a portion of ministry. We're, we're going into another phase of ministry. That's all it is. We're still, you know, we're still in, involved in a degree in the church, but we're not running the local church. Pastor Greg, and I told you this a couple of weeks ago, he and Amy are going to run the local church. They're, the, they're going to be the senior pastors. And uh, in just a few minutes, I'm going to be without, out of a job. <laughs> but I've been there before. <laughs> God's always come through. Amen. But uh, this church is, is, is in capable hands today as we go forward because God has raised these, these two up. The anointing of God's on their life. The grace of God's on their life. And uh, I have total confidence that this church is just going to flourish under their leadership. And uh, so I want... I want uh, Pastor Greg and Pastor Amy to come up with Angela and me. I want her to come up with me. If you would step forward. And I want your children to come and stand behind you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's, let's just stand over here so you can get close to me. Hallelujah. Now, God has, has already anointed uh, Greg and Amy, and they, they, they are pastors now. They just haven't been in the role of senior pastors. So I'm not separating them into the ministry in that sense. Uh, I'm just basically transferring the, the pastorate of this church over to them. And uh, I want you to, to be behind them. Stand behind them and run with the vision that God's given us. Amen. Glory to God. This is a new phase for the two of you. And it's exciting. The grace of God is there. His ability. There's a scripture that has has kept me steady for many, many years. Where uh, uh, Paul wrote to Timothy. He said, I thank Christ Jesus my Lord. For he has enabled me. Because he counted me faithful putting me into the ministry. And I think it's the 26th translation said, counting me faithful, putting me into his ministry. And that makes sense because the Apostle Paul also, another place, talked about the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus. I think that's in the 20th chapter of Acts. The ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus. So this, this addition that's being added to you isn't really coming from me. It's coming from the Lord Jesus. He's the one that has called you and enabled you. And that word has been a, a treasure to me all these years. I've, I found it in Colin Brown's theological dictionary years ago. Enabled, it means to furnish with strength and ability. He has furnished you with strength and ability for this job. Praise the Lord. So I, wanna, I want to read to you what King Solomon said after. And of course, he was transferring of, you know, from one king to another. You're not going to be king. You're going to be pastor. But, uh, but there's a, a deep truth here. Uh, in the seventh verse, Solomon said, and he's praying. He said, and now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father, David. But I am a little child. Now, he wasn't a little child. He felt like a little child. He was talking about his humility. I've prayed this prayer more times than I could count. 
the Lord, I'm just a, I just know nothing. I'm just a little child. He said, I am but a little child and I do not know how to go out or to come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people. Look around, this is a great church. Too numerous to be numbered or counted. Well, we we don't have that. It can be counted. Therefore, Solomon prayed, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern, discern between good and evil for who is able to judge this great people of yours. The speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. Then God said to him, because you have asked this thing and have not asked long life for yourself, nor have you asked riches for yourself, nor have you asked the life of your enemies, but have asked for justice, understanding, to discern justice. Behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart, so that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall any like you arise after you. And I've also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be another one like you among the kings of your days. So you shall walk in my commandments, keep my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, and I will lengthen your days. That's the promise of the Lord. Glory to God. So step a little bit closer. I want Angela and, 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 and I to lay hands on uh, Greg and Amy and just transfer this ministry into their safekeeping. And I want you to believe God with us this morning that everything they need is theirs. Amen. Glory to God. Father, we lay hands on Pastor Greg and Pastor Amy. We thank you, Father, for your call upon their life that has been evidenced for so many years now. Your grace is upon them. And they've been faithful. Now, Father, I pray that all of the grace needed for the new level of of responsibility is hereby deposited in them, given to them. That the strength and ability they need for pastoring this great people is given to them at this hour right now. I thank you, Father, because I know You've been faithful. You've been faithful to me. You'll be faithful to them as you have been to me and to Pastor Angela. We thank you for them, Father. We ask you, Lord, to comfort their hearts, strengthen their hearts, that they will take courage and strong resolution and they'll know that you will not fail them and you will, not fulf- you will not fail to fulfill the things you've put in their heart. You will bring them to pass. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Just raise your hand and thank God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Pastor. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Come, little ones.
not so, not so little ones. <laughs> you're part of this too, you know. Do you know that? Just like your, your dad was a part of. Because your dad and your uncle Steve gave themselves to the ministry. And God has rewarded them. And, and I, I believe you've given yourselves to the ministry as well. I believe you know that. And God's hands on you as well. Amen. Now, church, they're still just ordinary people. Don't put responsibilities on them that they don't carry. But God's hands on them. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Pastor Greg, I'm going to turn the service to you. I'm sorry I kept so long. But, but you know what? We don't really have to be anywhere until three. <laughs> Baby, what do you want to say? Can you talk? <laughs> um, it's been a privilege and an honor. Um, thank you for taking the word and putting it into practice in your lives. Yes. It's evident that you actually have done that. Yes. Thank you. For going with us when, it's, when so many churches don't want to have anything to do with the move of the Spirit. But we've seen in the last few months especially. Yeah, last know, couple of years. Yeah. Just a higher level yeah. of a move of the Spirit. And so we can honestly leave saying, you know, that we served a word in a spirit church. You know, people have asked us over the years, how did you stay so long in one place? And my answer was always, God said come, but he never said go. So now he has said go. We're not leaving town, folks. You know, we're, we're, we still live here. You know, this is going to be our church. And for the first time in almost five decades, I will have a different pastor. That's right. Still Anderson, but a different pastor. <laughs> you know, and so uh, my parting words for right this minute is from a husband. I'm just going to quote to you uh, what a famous person once said. In the words of Winnie the Pooh, let's go on an adventure. Let's go on an adventure. Amen. Real good, so right about now. I know um, my dad had told me, uh, he, had a, he said, I'll have a few things to say, you know, just a few minutes, and I'll just turn it over to you, and, and you can take it from there, and, and uh, I knew better. <laughs> I have been here from the very beginning, so uh, I, I knew that wasn't going to happen, but... Um, you know, for, for, for Amy and I, you know, we're humbled by this. You know, something's been on our heart for years. Um, when I was younger, you know, having grown up in a, in a pastor's home, this was the last thing I ever wanted to do. I say it with tears, but almost laughing. You know, it's just, I mean, I, they did a great job with us. and So thankful, looked around with other pastors, kids, and what a mess they were. And, uh, I was grateful. I even looked at our family and the decision they made to, to, to make a serious change in life and obey God. 
And literally when it cost them everything to obey. And I, and I saw the, the fruit of that and the benefit of that. And, and I realized that's what I have to do. But Lord, if there's anything I can do other than that, <laughs> let it be so. You know, and let me, let me do anything. And um, because I knew uh, in a, attached to that there was a lot of sacrifice and, and just a lot of stuff that came with it. And, um, you know, they shielded us from a lot of that stuff, but you still just see things and you, you're just aware of things and you know, a part of what's going on because we were a part of the ministry. Steve and I both were, we were part of what was happening and, and, um, you know, but, but, uh, at some point I, I realized, you know, the Lord has some things for me to do. And, and initially I thought I was going to go to Africa, uh, go to, go to the mission field and God's so good. I've been able to do that and, and more opportunities in the future. He's, those dreams he's brought to pass, but um, uh, at some point I realized, no, it's, it's not going to be that. Uh, and I realized what well, the Lord's called us to, to pastor, and, and um, it is a humbling, a humbling thing. You know, I, I can relate to Solomon. I think, dear Lord, who am I? You know, a goofy kid from High Springs, Florida, from Jacksonville, and raised in High Springs. You know, I, can I do this? And but you know, when I'm weak, he's strong. His grace is sufficient. And, um, you know, I'm thankful for, for the opportunity. We're humbled by it. And it's something that we, we take very seriously. And, and, and we're going to get everything, continue to give it everything we've got. But, you know, it would be wrong of me in this moment not to first, as a first official thing as pastor do, is to say thank you to our founding pastors and, and the sacrifice you guys have made. Um, Steve and I saw it as kids. Seen it as adults, and I admire that. I respect you. I'm grateful for you. You know, I was um, thinking about this. The reality is, if it wasn't for them, there would be no Impact Family Church. Obviously, for God and His goodness, but their faithfulness and their obedience. Had they taken that phone call and and hung up and said that was a that was that was a wrong call, you know that. They were calling from Nigeria. That wasn't for me. You know, that was a, that was a scam call. You know, I, that was not right. They could have just done something else, but they went and, and obeyed and, 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 and followed God. And so if it hadn't been for them, we, none of us would be here today. And so I just want to, if we could, let's all just stand up. Let's just give them a big round of applause and a big thank you. It's, uh, you're, you're surrounded by family today, your natural family, but it's safe to say we're surrounded by a larger family, your church family. We love you. We, we're grateful for you. Amy and I, a little token just from us, we've have a, some roses here for you, mom, and I didn't think you would want roses, Dad, but uh, uh, just a little card from us, something in there for you guys. But I'm going to say we love you. Thank you very much. Um, when I, I think of them, I, I'm reminded of Proverbs 20, 
Men, men will, most men will proclaim each his own goodness, but who can find a faithful man? This is a faithful couple here. And uh, these are things that they have instilled in us as their children, but also as a church body. And we're going to remain faithful to do what the Lord has called us to do. You know, I, I don't have a lot of time, but uh, that's all right. But uh, you know, he, when the Lord appeared to him in 1986 and talked to him about the vision of the church, the vision of, of Impact Family Church has not changed. We're going to continue to pursue what he's called us to do. We're going to continue to pursue the vision that he's given us. You know, when I, when I think about this church, we've been called to this community. We've been called to these communities, to this area. And there is a message, there's a work that only we as Impact Family Church can accomplish. And we've been doing it for 43 years, and we're going to continue doing that. We're going to continue fulfilling this. We're going to continue walking out the plan that he's given us, the vision that he's given us. And yeah, things will look a little different. Uh, I think Pastor had mentioned that in Vision Sunday. Things will look a little different. I'm not my dad, and, and I can't try to be him. That, that would fail miserably. But we're going to be us. We're going to do what the Lord tells us to do and how he directs us to do it. But we're going to continue to fulfill the vision he's given us. And um, I'm just grateful. You know, Pastor Amy and I, we, we ask for your prayers and your support. We know you've always done that for them. You'll continue to do that for us, and we're, we're thankful for that. You know, there's a scripture that I've always loved and uh, this is in Acts 13. And uh, this phrase has always just resonated with me. It says, For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep and was buried with his fathers and saw corruption. But the phrase, he served his generation by the will of God. We're going to serve our generation by the will of God. If Jesus comes back in our lifetime, that's wonderful. But if not, we're going to serve him in our generation. We're going to fulfill the plan of God. And then we're going to receive the benefit and experience the reward of faithfulness. You have Amy and I's promise that we'll do whatever it takes. And we know we have your support. Together, we're going to run. We're going to do what God's called us to do. Praise God. Father, we thank you today. Hallelujah. Thank you. For your goodness, thank you. For your faithfulness to us. You've been so good. From the foundations of the earth, Lord, you had this planned. You had a way of escape for each of us. Personally. A plan constructed and crafted that would rescue each of us. And not just rescue us, but then to bring us into your family and make us partners with you. And you, this plan is a marvelous plan. It's a wonderful thing that you've done. And generations have come and generations have gone. You have remained faithful. And we come, we've come to this time and the day and age in which we're living. And you've raised up a church here for us. You've raised up a people here for us. You've raised up leaders here for us. And Father, we're thankful. You've been so good. You've been so faithful. Each step of the way, Lord, you've given us exactly what we've needed. You've had the supply that we've needed, the word that we needed, the answers that we've needed, the grace that we've needed. You've had it all, all these years. You've been quick and right on time every single, in every single situation. Father, we are thankful. We're grateful. Lord, we do look ahead. Amy and I look ahead. As a church, we look ahead. Father, we know that you never change, 
that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what you've done in the past, you'll continue to do today and tomorrow. And so we look ahead with great expectation. We're so thankful. Lives being changed. People coming to know you. Your plan being fulfilled. And we'll join that great company that'll look back and say we served our generation. We'll look back and say we did what you asked us to do. We ran our race. We're faithful because you've remained faithful all the way through. Father, we thank you for this. We're grateful. And we're excited for what you have for us, Lord. We love you. We thank you for it in the mighty and wonderful name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. God is so good. God is so good. Well, we love you all. If you're here today, this morning, and you don't know Jesus, I don't want to go anywhere without giving you an opportunity. You're surrounded by people this morning who have met this master. His name is Jesus, our beloved brother. He lo- his love is never-ending, and he loves you today. If you don't know him, we want to pray with you. You're amongst people who love you, love God. We're here for you. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I want to give you an opportunity to do so today. If that describes you, if you raise your hand, we'll pray with you. Hallelujah. I'm looking around. I'm sure you can help me. We're mostly surrounded by family today, but always want to give the invitation. The greatest gift we can have is the gift of Jesus. And so we always want to make that available. Praise God. Well, we've got a fellowship this afternoon. And honey, anything you want to say? I don't want to just move on yet. Anything you want to say? Are you sure? Come here. I'm going to put her on the spot. Can't get away that easy. You know, the, the scripture that comes to my mind is uh, that the, the plan of God, that there's many plans in the mind of a man, but it's the plan of God that will stand. It's the plan of God that matters. And God had a plan, not just 43 years ago. He had this plan out well in advance. And they chose. He called them. They didn't have to choose to get on board with that plan, but they did. And look what we have here. God, God's plans are the best. The best. He gave y'all the best. He always gives his best. And I'm so grateful that I could come in and get on board with the plan that he laid in their heart years and years ago and learn from them. And now for us to be in this place, I am so, so grateful to be a part of furthering that plan. And God's given us you all as part of this plan. Every member, every joint that supplies, you are the supply. And he's given us the best to move forward. And I just, I can't say enough how grateful I am, how excited I am to just be a part of what God is doing and be a part of his plan. God is just so faithful. He's faithful to them. He's faithful to us and he's faithful to you. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. 
If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.